I have returned, and I'm coming with the first on the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show, y'all. I have not one, but two guests with me, two friends, two close friends over the last couple of years. I've met them, two USC alums, Trevor Denton and Cecil Hannibal. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Fantastic, man. Close friends? I don't know. I'd say we're more of uh, acquaintances. Acquaintances. You know? <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. Grease no, me on my own show. Boy. That's we're cool. I, I just identified you we're as a close friend. Friends. I don't gonna... know about this guy. Man. Yeah, I'm I'm an outsider. I'm a loner. But, you know, it's okay, though. It's okay. I'm still here. I made it here somehow. So. Hey, man. It's great to be here with both of you guys. Uh, Reagan, great to be on a podcast with you, man. We really hit our stride at the end of last year. Yes, we did. Cecil, man. Cecil, always a pleasure sharing the stage with you. Going back to our what? And was it Wednesdays? Annenberg Wednesdays? That was a great, that was a great team right there. Fantastic. That, might, that might be the greatest team in the history of Annenberg. Um, and I, I mean that. Dude, but you look at it, it's like you're talking about like 2001 Miami, like the Hurricanes. You're just seeing where all those guys ended up in the NFL. Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee. Dude, we got Kelly Miller. She's over in Huntsville. You in Mississippi, yeah. me in West Virginia. We're really we're really all out here doing it. It's pretty pretty cool and pretty encouraging to see that. I think it's y'all are crazy. speaking to my youth right now. I have no clue who y'all like the people. I just know y'all too, man. It's crazy that we all were in Southern California living our best lives and now we're living in the deep South. That's what's crazy when you think about it. It's weird, man. It's weird going from market to thinking you're, you're, you're hot stuff. And, and then you got to <laughs> start over again, man. Most people, it, it's strange, man, going from LA covering the USC Trojans. And now we're, you know, I'm out here covering high school soccer and I don't know what you're doing in Mississippi, but man, it's uh, it definitely throws you for a loop. But it's humbling. We all need to be humbled, man. I think especially us USC kids, especially, need to be humbled because we we tend to think we're hot stuff for sure. So Trevor, uh, humbling is is a word. You're yeah. you're an anchor <laughs> now, right? I'm gonna give you all the opportunity to kind of give the audience a, a scope of what it is that you do. But you're an anchor, and Cecil, you're actually a reporter. So you guys kind of took the two separate paths. Um, but I'm gonna give you guys the the floor, Trevor. I'm gonna start with you. Give the audience a little bit of background about yourself. What is it that you do? Where have you been and where are you going? Yeah, man. So uh, just this June, I started actually July. I started as weekend sports anchor and uh, reporter. So I'm a sports reporter during the week. I don't do any news, but sports reporter during three days of the week, weekend sports anchor at a station in Southern West Virginia in Oak Hill, West Virginia, which mm. I had to look up the first time, but uh, <laughs> we cover uh, we cover mostly high school stuff, but also I've gotten to a Marshall game a couple weeks ago, uh, covered some West Virginia Mountaineers. Um, and yeah, I graduated from Annenberg just this past May. Um, that was that was the job offer that I decided to go with. Um, back in Annenberg, I was a sports anchor, uh, did a lot of podcasts and some stuff with the water cooler through like Trojan Vision. So it's like a sports talk show kind of in the mold of like, first take. Um, and yeah, I mean, I decided that this is the route that I wanted to go to, like really, really committed. I was kind of like wishy-washy. I knew I wanted to do something with sports and journalism in some capacity throughout college, but I could never really define exactly what it was, but right before my senior year. So pretty much like a year ago, uh, around this time is when I kind of committed and said, I want to be a local sports anchor and kind of use that year to, to build up my reel, make connections, apply for jobs. And, and now I'm here in West Virginia. So um, it's pretty cool to see, you know, that that part of the process kind of come to fruition. But I know that, like, just at the beginning, you know, staring up at this, you know, huge mountain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like a year ago, I really committed, said this is what I want to do, and now I've just been I've been here for three months as a as a weekend sports anchor, West Virginia. Cool. See, so Take me home, yourself. country roads. <laughs> I hope you know the song by now. It's a disappointment if you don't know the song oh, by now. I know it by heart, man. I know it by heart. I played it as I was driving into the state limits <laughs> with my mom when we were driving up wow. here. That's um, iconic. You know, yeah. it's funny. They had like a whole controversy whether the song was about West Virginia, the state, or Western, the Western part of the, the state, Virginia. I remember that blew up in like the West Virginia actual state account. I was like, hold on, hold on. That's us. That's us. Don't don't give that to West Virginia. We don't have a whole lot here in West Virginia. At least give us the song. I mentioned that. Yeah, Virginia's being selfish. Virginia's <laughs> being selfish. They got a lot. They got a lot. You're close to D.C. You have some stuff popping off. West Virginia. We need this one. And I, I mentioned that to one of my coworkers who's from West Virginia, and she got mad at me. She's like, it's not a controversy. It's West Virginia. And I was like, noted. Noted. Gotcha. Cecil, so what about yourself, man? And, you know, I just want to touch on Trevor's story. It's funny because uh, I did two years at, at USC before I graduated. I was a transfer student. Uh, 
And I anchored my entire first year. And then my second year, out of nowhere, this this guy pops in as a new sports anchor. I'm like, who is this? And I remember his first show, I was like, oh, this guy's good. Mm. Oh, this guy's really good. And I remember I pulled Trevor to the side at an Annenberg party and was like, dude, you're going to be on TV. Just, just, just follow the path. Like, just do it. Just go. Go for the market. And boom. Sports anchor. Mm. Dude. Dude, that moment meant a ton to me, man. I think about that all the time because I think when you're getting into a profession that's as daunting as this and, and where the odds are kind of stacked against you, in your head, you're kind of looking for every reason not to go for it, every reason to look for a different path. And then when I was – because I didn't make the leap to Annenberg. I was doing other stuff with Trojan Division and all that, but I finally auditioned to be a sports anchor in Annenberg before my senior year. And I remember you were the guy. And then I got on this – I was so excited when I got on the same day as you because I was kind of looking at you from afar. I was like, that's the guy right now. There's always like one guy in Annenberg that kind of sets the tone. And um, just getting to work with you and hearing feedback from you, you and hearing compliments from you is definitely – part of the reason, part of the sauce that kind of went into this recipe of why I'm here right now. So I'm like forever grateful. And that's the only nice thing I'm going to say to you over the course of this podcast. <laughs> hey, no, man. I, you got I hope you enjoyed it. But no, for real, for I real. Bottom of my heart, from the bottom of the heart, I remember that moment at the Annenberg party. And it meant a lot to me. And it also just shows you that we all need to have those moments. We all need to encourage each other. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you don't see that a lot um, at smaller markets. People kind of sometimes have a chip on their shoulder or it's mm-hmm. competitive. They don't want to give other people their credit. But if you really believe somebody's out there killing it, let them know. Because in this profession, we need it. We need it. Um, because there's a lot of insecurity. You're going to find a lot of insecurity and a lot of people that telling you you can't do it. So if someone tells you you can, that really goes a long way and carries a lot of weight. Yeah, man. I, I'll, just I'll, I'll, facts. Before you before you get into your uh, spiel, Cecil, I just want to touch on what Trevor said, man. You did the exact same thing for me. You came to me. You know, young dude from Memphis, Tennessee, out there in Southern. I'm not going to paint it like I'd never been to California before. I actually lived out here for a while. But still, like, you know, it's kind of daunting when you look at, you know, a Trevor Denton and a Cecil Hannibal and all the people that were doing so many cool things. And for you to reach back and say, you know, Reagan, you're really good at this, man. You you have a talent for it. Both of you have done it for me. Um, You know, those are the sorts of things that give you the, the motivation to keep on going and say, OK, at least I know I'm on the right track. People ahead of me see something in me. I have that confidence to keep persevering through some struggles, man. So hats off to both of y'all for doing that. I hope you continue to do so. But Cecil, tell, tell, tell the audience who you are, man. If they don't know already, I'm surprised anyone who doesn't no, know Cecil. Man, no, man, I'm, I, I, I stay at the crib. I don't I don't go anywhere these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I just a recent USC grad. Uh, transferred from Georgia State, from Atlanta, Georgia. Like my boy Trevor, we're both AT aliens. Uh, actually, originally from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, so 502 at the heart, but was raised in Atlanta. Um, and now I'm a reporter for 16WAPT, the ABC affiliate in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, I am a real deal news reporter every day, um, five days a week. Uh, it's a crazy job. I mean, crazy. I see crazy. I see crazy. Literally, my job is to go out and find the craziness of the day. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, I've been here three months now, just like Trevor. Uh, I think we both got hit with the um COVID hit right when we were applying for jobs um and it was like a mad scramble and I got I got the opportunity to come to Jackson and I took it um and now I'm here and honestly man Jackson is amazing whatever whatever you think whoever's listening to this right now whatever you think Mississippi is it's not you have to come see it for yourself oh um, uh, I'm from Memphis later. now I'm I'm from Memphis I, I, I know <laughs> Memphis folks hate y'all Tennessee so Memphis New Orleans folks Y'all talk about Jackson. Everybody, that's that little beef y'all have out here. Right. The you know what I'm saying? Everybody in Memphis is like, oh, I would never go to Mississippi. And everybody here is like, oh, I don't want to go to Tennessee. I don't go to Memphis. Mm. Well, not really that much. Not really that much. I mean, it's more Memphis. Than yeah, it's, it's more of a Memphis, really. like, we don't know. It's more of a Memphis. Than, yeah, yeah. Or what was your reaction when you found out he was, he was going to Mississippi as a Memphis guy? Sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of uh, anything. Anytime I'm seeing anyone go anywhere, like, you know, landing a job, especially like you brought up, Cecil, after COVID, like, that is is uh, accomplishment in its own right, but you hear about Jackson, it's like ooh, like at the very least, I'm like, <laughs> it's like it's like it's gonna be cool, man. I'm sure there's a lot to report on out there, just because it's like you said, it's just so crazy. But you know, it's definitely there's a bit of a stigma about Mississippi and Memphis. You don't really want to go across the river, as they say, you know, Arkansas, Mississippi, but Memphis, you know, I was talking, to, I was arguing with my roommates. We were having an argument about. 
you know, if you had to put cities in tiers, right? If you had to say S tier was the most elite cities, Los Angeles, New York, A tiers like Atlanta, Chicago, New Orleans, San Francisco, where's Memphis fall on that list? Everybody's like, I'm like B tier. They're like, are you crazy? I'm like, I can't get B tier out of Memphis? Like, come on, the blues. No, where, where y'all put in Memphis, man? Really, you- I mean, really, the blues is from Mississippi, but we'll. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. I, don't, I don't know who told you the blues. Literally, it's, it's the, it's the Jackson's a city with soul. I mean, mm. I, I just got here and I know that already. All right. All right. It might be a little, it might be dispersed a little bit amongst that area, but uh, yeah, man. Uh, all cool stuff that y'all got going on, Cecil. I know you've been reporting on some crazy stuff, man. What, what's the craziest story you've you've come across so far? <sighs> That's a tough. Honestly, I just did the craziest one. Um, it's kind of personal because it's like it's crazy. My um, one of my coworkers uh, died in a car accident about oh. three days ago, um, and literally he was my director. Like he's the person in our ear every night telling us, you know, what to do. Uh, he leaves the show and gets in a car accident, and we hear about it the next day. It's it's his day off, so of course he's not there. We wouldn't know. Um, but we're having to tell stories about our coworker mm. like that. That is crazy. Um, and it's not like, and you know, we approach it so delicately, right? It's not like we're, it's not like piranha. It's not like, Oh, we're jumping on a chance. Yeah. But like, if his family is like, we want y'all to, you know, talk about our family member, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we're going to, he's been here, he was here 16 years. Like, we're going to do that. We're going to respect the family and we're going to do what they want. That's what they want. We're going to do that. Um, but that right there, that's probably the toughest thing I've had to cover. And it's um, crazy because literally, I mean, it just happened like three days ago. Mm. Um, yeah, that's but, terrible. you know, that's just a small, you know, that's just that's just one example. But, I mean, every day it could be – it's something that, you know, when you're dealing with news, you're either – most of the time it's somebody's best day or the worst day of their life, mm. you know? And yeah. – when it's someone's best day of their life, you love being there. You're like, oh, this is great. Um, and when it's someone's worst day of their life, we're all human. We don't, it's like, oh, God, this is tough. But you got a job to do, and you're going to do it. And so in three months, I've learned that's that's part of the job. Mm. That's, that's, that's unreal, Sorry, that, that, that That's just, that's tragic. And I'm just curious, like, as a reporter, because I remember, like, with when, when the Kobe thing happened, obviously, like I, we were covering it a lot in Annenberg and I was kind of like, I actually went to LA live to go get like fan reactions and all that, like the day it happened and stuff. And I remember it wasn't until a month later when the memorial was happening that I just like, I was like watching, I think like a clip from the funeral and I just like broke down in my car, like sobbing a month after it happened because I was so busy in the pocket reporting on every part of it that I realized like I had completely suppressed my emotions about it. So I'm just curious, like, how do you, do you kind of take that same approach? It's probably not healthy, but do you take that same approach where when a tragedy like that happens or you're covering something terrible, do you kind of feel like, okay, right now I'm going to get the job done and then I'm going to deal with the emotions later. Or do you report with those emotions in mind? Like, I'm Mm. just curious what the approach is to that. Cause I think, it's easily the most challenging part of our job. I'm not going to lie to you. I have, I don't have the answer. I have no idea. It's so challenging because, and that's something I'm, you know, I'm only three months in, so I'm still learning how to handle that. Right. Like, um, you, you have to keep your emotions out of the story the best you can. Um, but I mean, you're you're gonna feel it the whole time. Like I was shook trying trying to do this story. Like, I, I I could barely get through it, honestly. Um, just because, like, it, it it's one thing when we do stories with people we don't have a personal connection to necessarily, right? Like you can tell the story. Um, but when you know somebody that and it's gonna sound weird, but you know somebody with a human being, flesh and bone, in front of you every day, right? That's that's challenging. I don't think anything can prepare you for that. Um, and I and and it ha- and that's the thing in local news. It happens. Like you know, we're we're not invincible. Like it ha- it happened in plenty of other stations as well. And I'm, I I leaned on my coworkers who have dealt with it as well. More so with like you know, you have an, an anchor for fifty years and he passes away, right? Everyone, you have to do that tribute story. That's challenging. Um, this one was more sudden, so it's it, I think it's a little harder. But um, 
Like I, I you know, I've been told that like what we had to do, this is the most one of the most challenging parts of the job. So I guess if you can get through this, you can, you know, kind of handle anything. Yeah, that, that, that is unreal, man. As far as emotionless reporting, I, I can't speak to the actual working in the field. Right. Um, but I've always found when it comes to, you know, if you're paying tribute to somebody or you're trying to highlight a situation that it's best to let that emotion come through, man, because that's going to paint what, what you the you guys know what the king pinnacle of, of journalism is its context and people frankly don't understand the context sometimes unless you allow those emotions to come through of how much this person meant to you or how difficult the situation is to go through um you know I talk about you know a letter to my white friends and that wasn't a piece of reporting but that was just a, a I guess you define it as a column that I did and now I'm tearing up writing that column thinking about all the all my white friends that had let me down through that situation that's what people need to feel in order to understand and grasp the context of the situation. So to answer your question, Trevor, I think it's important to let those emotions flow through um, when you're dealing with a matter of uh, trying to help people grasp how much something means. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And I think the the pieces that you've re- written in the undefeated are unbelievable. And they've, I just, I, the first thought that I had was just to thank you because it helped put any, like you said, put into context so much for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard though, because, you know, it, it's just tough sometimes balancing the work that you have to do because it is hard work uh, and also allowing yourself to be a person. And that's where I feel like yeah. like mental health care really comes in. Like that's something that I've really tried to attack since I've been in West Virginia is taking care of the mental side of things. Because if, if, if that's if, if, if you're dealing with, you know, too much anxiety or depression or whatever, that's really going to come through in your work. It's not a field mm-hmm. that that you can really get by with that. So I really encourage like all young reporters and stuff to really, to really look after, after that side. Cause this is difficult. Yeah. We're not, we're not normal nine to five. This is a, this is a real grind. So you really have to kind of have, have that under control. Have you found any ways Cecil that you've kind of managed your, your mental health? Cause I know I've seen you tweeting a little bit, you know, it's a little more stressful for sure. And a little more, I've seen you say, you know um, it's a much faster pace than in college and stuff, yeah. which I totally agree with. Uh, but have you found any ways to kind of kind of deal with your mental health since you've been in Mississippi? Uh, two things. Um, one, a lot of two K. Two K. What? Two K keeps me sane. Um, how? I, how, that, how does it not do the opposite? If I, have a, if I have a lunch break, you know, and I'm by the house, because you know we all work remote. Like I will hop on two K for a second, play a quick game, take a deep breath and then go back to work. You know what I mean? Um, other thing is exercise. Uh, I try to jump rope as much as possible. Uh, go to the gym for my, with, my, with my mask, of course. You know, the South is open. Though. We, 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 yeah. We go <laughs> y'all y'all are out here, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Walmart, it's um, open. It's but, open. Yeah. It's, everything's open. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's definitely challenging, man. It is, it is such a challenging thing. Um, Honestly, you just, yeah, jump rope with 2Ks for me. What are, what are you doing? I got to ask so, you. So I actually, so this is crazy, but uh, not crazy, but I just decided that I'm going to go ahead and start talking to a therapist the second I moved to West Virginia. Wow. Because mm. I knew that it would be a tough adjustment. I, I kind of anticipated a little bit. I was like, I know this is going to be a really tough adjustment going from living with six of my best friends in the same house, having all these friends at Annenberg, having all these friends at USC and constantly being surrounded to truly being alone and having to start over again. But during COVID and, um, and in a place with way less people and and way less obvious opportunities to socialize, I'm a very social person. That's kind of how I recharge is being around people. Mm -hmm. And I knew that would be challenging. So from day one, I started having zoom calls with the therapist and it's been huge. I mean, it's been awesome. It's something I should have done honestly, uh, back when I was at USC, but you kind of get caught up. And, and when you're, the thing is, is you can be dealing with anxiety or, or mental health issues, but when you're constantly surrounded by all your friends, it's very, very easy to distract yourself into thinking everything's okay. When you're like, ah, oh, man, like I had a stressful day, but I can just blow off some steam and, and party or, or have a drink with my friends. But it's like, now you're alone. It's you in the mirror. You're the one alone that has to confront that. You can't run away from it anymore. So I just decided to kind of attack it. Exercise has been huge too. Uh, eating better, kind of taking control, 
So I was getting a little little out of shape in quarantine for sure, but kind of retaking control of that situation's definitely helped a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's it's not easy for anyone um, going from college and where you can on a you can hang out with people at two a.m. if you're feeling sad. You could go hang out with three of your best friends. You can't do that here, man. You gotta you gotta really you gotta really look out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you have and like the, I'm, I'm lucky. Oh, sorry. I was going to say I'm lucky in the sense of, um, you know, my girlfriend actually came with me to Mississippi uh, from UFC because we both graduated. She must love you, know what we're about to do. <laughs> uh, I got a job in Jackson. She can work remote. She came with me. Um, and I've talked to a lot of other friends who were working the first local news job. And Trevor's right, man. That, that loneliness is tough. It is really, really tough. Yeah. Um, so I can only imagine, man. I feel for you. She she came with yeah. you to Mississippi from California. Yeah. She must yeah, love real. you, bro. That's real right <laughs> she must love you, like golly. Yo, man, listen. We she came. She came to help. Not in it for the money. He's not in it for the money. Right. Sure. Like, yeah. oh exactly. my god. Exactly. Exactly. No, she came with me to visit. Right. Um. She was like, I'm not coming to Jack. Like, I'm going to stay in L.A. Right. Uh, and she came in. And like I'm telling everybody, if you come and see it, it's not what you thought it would be at all. And it's actually a cool place just to chill, especially during coronavirus when mm-hmm. we're at, inside anyway. You know right. what I mean? Um, yeah. So she was like, I'm going to come and work from home. So I was like, let's do it. And now we're living in Jackson. Dang, I could have saved so much money on this therapy if I could have just gotten a girl to come with me to West Virginia, man. <laughs> what, did, what am I it's doing? Not a, it's not too late, but no, honestly, therapy is honestly like I'm. I'm gonna look into getting a therapist someday. Like I, I'm, I've been saying I'm gonna do it, and I'm just. It's one of those, you know, everybody says they're gonna do something and they never get it done. But I, I think I was, therapy is super dope. I was the same way. I, it's it's nice just being able to talk to someone about your about your issues objectively, and I really feel like I've been able to stay ahead of all that. It's good to anticipate issues before they happen, and I feel like that's mm-hmm. kind of what I did. I was like, it's gonna be lonely, but honestly. I feel like I'm been extremely like happy here. Like I've really, um, I've really enjoyed like being alone, you know, cause I, I wasn't used to, it's been so long since I really had to be alone a lot and I've been enjoying it more and more. I've been playing a lot of Madden myself. Um, and then of course, you know, over time, over time, it gets less lonely when you make friends with people at the station, uh, or people from other mm-hmm. stations. And then it starts to feel a little more and more like you have kind of like a community behind you, but it, I mean, it takes time and you have to like, you have to put an effort. Like that was something that I, that I early on was really tough to balance. Cause as a weekend guy, right. Like I get off work, uh, on Saturdays, like I, I anchor the, the, the evening show. So I'll get off at like midnight. And a lot of times early on, like I would go out after that just to have that social experience and start building those relationships. Even if it meant, um, I might sleep in like a little bit more than I should the next day. Cause I usually have to go in at like three, but obviously I don't want to be sleeping till noon, but you have to kind of make those sacrifices early on while you're trying to figure out how to navigate and try to figure out your social life and not necessarily feel guilty about it. Like, Oh, I'm going out, um, the night, you know, the night before I have to go to work. It's like, no, I need to make friends and I need to start building these relationships because that's going to make the time go so much faster. And that's actually going to make me better at my job if I do have a healthy work-life balance, because then it's like, I'm able to reward myself after a long week of work. You can't be too one-dimensional. I think, especially in this field. Hmm. When y'all go out, man, do people recognize y'all? Do people like, oh, you're from TV? Like, I was going to say, I was at the bar and a guy got super hyped. He was like, you're the guy from Fabulous Football Fridays. Like, he <laughs> thought I was Brad Pitt or something. He, he thought I was a celebrity. I was flattered. That's crazy. Most of the time, no. No one recognizes me. I got to tell them who I am. <laughs> <laughs> In due time. What, what's crazy, Cecil? You know what's crazy? Um, like, my first month, you know, I'm just living my life, working. And then by month two, it started happening, like, often. Like, I'm at Subway one time, and... The guy, I'm, I'm always, there's a subway by my job, so I'm always at subway. And the guy's like, you know, you're here all the time. I'm like, yeah, man, I, I, I just try to get a sandwich before work. And he's like, she, he was like, where do you work? And the woman next to me was like, you don't know who this is? He's on Channel 16. And I was like, I looked at her like, what? I was just, I was shook. I was like, y'all actually watch. People are actually watching. Mm. I was like, that's crazy. Because, you know, when we're at Annenberg, like, nobody stops you on campus. And they're like, yeah. hey, I saw you on, like, that's not happening. You know what I'm saying? Like your peers that are at Edinburgh and see you on the screen might say something, mm-hmm. but you know, for the most part, you know, it's you, your family, and and your other Edinburgh peers watching. Yeah. Um, 
but now a lot of people, most of the older people, like young people never stop me, but older people are like, hey, you're that guy on the news, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, you, you caught me. <laughs> so and it's what, crazy. How do you feel when that happens? Honestly, that makes it all worth it. Mm. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, yeah. He's like the fame is what I'm after, man. I need the. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, but seriously, when 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 people when people acknowledge your work and they and they appreciate what you do, and you know, mm. I'm not even sure if they actually think I'm good, but I know that they're like, hey, I see you on there, and they're like, I, I like what you're doing. I'm like, I appreciate that, and it makes my day at least for those you know next couple hours. So I, I appreciate it. I did have one guy say, "Hey, aren't you that new intern?" And I was Ooh. like, <laughs> but no. I was like, no. I was like, no. I'm a reporter. He said, he said, no, but like you're an intern, right? And I was like, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I might have paid that guy off. I might have paid that guy off to say that. Maybe that might have been me. Oh, gotcha, yeah. man. Yeah. But I hear you, man. It's one of those things. It's like. As journalists, so much, uh, and not even journalists, but just media in general, so much of what we do is dependent upon people receiving it and people listening to it and people enjoying it, right? Um, and that's sort of a, when we talk about mental health, that's a rabbit hole. It's easy to fall down to where you need that external validation to feel confident about yourself. And it's one of those things I found myself in that trap, especially after I published my first piece, right? Because that one kind of yeah, had a mini blow up and it's like, okay, this is what media is. This is what I need to keep on happening before me to feel good about what I'm doing. And every time I put out a piece and it gets, you know, I repost it and I get two likes and one retweet. It's like, okay, that piece is flopped when this really not the case. It's, it's more about taking pride in what you're doing and knowing whether or not, you know, people react to it. It's a good product that you put out, man. So I'm hoping for y'all in the industry that I, I, I mean, y'all are two smart dudes. You guys know what the deal is. So I know you guys put out some awesome projects, man. I keep up with y'all. But you know, man, social media is a trap, man. You cannot keep. Like, I know so many people who are caught up in, you know, the likes and the retweets and the yeah. virus. Like, no, like that stuff is fake. It means nothing at the end of the day, really, right? Um, like, it's about the work. You know what I'm saying? Like, if if you, whether you get. Because you can, you can put out some terrible content that gets a thousand retweets. Right, exactly. You know I've, seen I mean? I've seen it. I've seen it. It's like, it's like, it's easy but, to be like, how does yeah. that get like, you know, it's like, come on. But yeah, 100%. I've seen it happen. Like, I, I've seen something like, how did that go viral? But you you can't, like, the internet is, is, is fooling everybody. You can't get caught up in that. Like, what was that? I think it was in a Drake song. It was like, the real will always be the... Something, something, something. What was that song with Jay Z? Uh, 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 something, something. It's a real, it's a real Drake something, fan right something, here. Something, something. <laughs> but it was a Drake line. He just, just know the real will always last. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So yeah. social media, don't get caught up in all that. Okay. Yeah, and it's good to just kind of view it as, as a tool. Like I, I don't know. Like I, so sometimes like someone will message like on Facebook and say, "Man, you like pronounced this town wrong. Like what's wrong? with You're giving me hate for that." And to me, I just view, I I just decide to kind of take all of it as a positive. It's like, at Mm -hmm. least people are watching. At least when I look into that camera, I'm not staring into the void. At least people care enough about their town that they want me to say it right. Like I take it all as a positive, the good comments, the negative comments, at least people are engaging with what I'm doing. And I feel like if you look at it that way, you can really, you can really protect yourself. Like I got my first hate comment ever. It was hilarious. I posted, it was on a video that I did. It got, it kind of blew up a little bit. It got like, you know, 29 K and we're not worried about the views and the likes, but it got 29 K. But uh, a guy commented on it. Shut up. You asshole commentator. You suck. Which was just the Sistine chapel of hate comments. It's like, Mm. not only am I an asshole, I'm an asshole commentator who also sucks and I shouldn't speak. And I was like, I, I just chose to view it like comedically like that and not like let it get to me. It's like at least this guy's watching. At least he cares enough to even leave that comment in the first place. But I think I need to get that one framed on my wall. Shut mm-hmm. up, you asshole commentator. You suck. <laughs> that should be you should put that in your uh, Twitter bio. It was like uh, asshole commentator. Yeah. Who needs but versus to like getting down about that, I was just like, yeah, my first hate comment. Like I'm relevant enough to get my first hate comment. Like this is huge, you know. If you reframe everything, you have so much power. You you can't lose your power oh, if yeah. you if you choose to look at everything with a positive lens. And that's really like 
that's something that, I, that I've really tried to work on here is, is be positive and kind of look at everything with that type of outlook. Cause it's easy to be like sarcastic. It's easy to, it's also easy to complain about everything. You see that a lot at these type of markets, but it's, that's the easiest, that's a cop out to complain about your station, to complain about the computers, not working the cameras. It's much harder to look for the positives. Yeah. And that's, I feel like the people that, that really stand out and the people that make it far, like, you know, when I was, like when I was working at like NFL network, it's like, man, the people there are not negative, man. They're positive. They show up to work every day and you have to be, to get to that level. You have to, um, you, you have to like make other people feel good and have good relationships with people to make it that far in the first place. The people that are complaining about everything and, and down about everything, uh, are the ones that end up getting stuck. I feel like that's just my view of it, but that's something that I've really tried to work on. That's something that both of y'all are, are, are amazing at is, you know, even, even when I was, um, you know, being an MJ working at the sports desk, every time that one of you would come in, it's like, you know, kind of owning the room and making uplifting everyone right you know reaching out to somebody who you might not have met before introducing yourself um telling them they did a really good job on a graphic you know i know you guys have why a lot on your man? plate why not we have two choices we could either be down about yeah. it be complaining we could and everybody's energy feeds off of each other or you could be uplifting man we only got one one shot at this let's have fun dude that's my thing I like to be prepared so that I could have fun. Yeah. I like to be so prepared for my live shot before a game. I have every word down. I've practiced it a hundred times just on the car ride, let alone the night before. I know everything about these two teams. So when I'm five minutes before my live shot, I'm going to be singing along to the songs over the intercom. I'm going to be dancing. I'm going to be having a good time, cracking up with players, the other reporters. And preparation allows you to do that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that allows you to be in that mental state. But man, I always prefer, prefer positivity, man. I feel like it's infectious. I like when other people are positive um and and you know you it's it's i'm not saying like west virginia is bad in any sense i actually really like it here it's a beautiful state the people are amazing but there's less obvious stimulants to to you can't go to concerts you're not going to go see uh, a big concert you're not going to go you know do some of the stuff that you could do in la i can't walk down the street and go to an nfl game an nba game there's less stimulants to make you happy so you have to produce that on your own you have Mm. to be like the source of that light and that's something that I'm really, really trying to work on. That's dope, man. That's going to take you a far, a long way once you get back into a market like LA, which we all know is going to happen for you, Trevor. Um, so once you get back, we're going to Atlanta. What happened, Trevor? What's yeah. up? Atlanta. We're meeting Atlanta. Hey, man. Right we're we're all Georgia yeah, boys here, man. Eleven alive. Are we going to be on eleven alive? Eleven alive. Let's go eleven alive, bro. Come on. We're all Georgia boys here, man. I don't, I don't quite remember my time as as vividly as I'm sure y'all do, just because I was so young when I lived there. But, um, Cecil, what part are you from again? Uh, so I'm from like Louisville. Sandy Springs, Roswell area. Yeah, like I grew up on Roswell Road. I went to Sandy Springs High School, North Springs High School. Um, actually, went to crazy. I went to high school with a lot of like successful rappers. Really? Singers. Um, like Playboy Cardi went to my high school. Summer Walker. Uh, someone named Cody Shane, um, who was in a bunch of Sprite commercials. Okay. Have you heard of Cody Shane? Um, but I was never a rapper, so I think I dropped the ball. Yeah, you really should have <laughs> picked it up, man. Like, I don't know what you're I missing. I should have gave it a shot. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I had my opportunity. I mean, you have the perfect name for it, bro. You could have just been Hannibal. That, I mean, come on. Oh, right I there. Hate, I but I would have had to actually, like, spit with a name like Hannibal. Like, you got to Cecil's not a good rapper name? I feel like Cecil's not. No, man. Mm. I, don't think that's, I don't think that's it. I don't think that would, that would slide in the, in the rap world. Yeah. And, and Trevor, what part of uh, Georgia were you from again? Like, at, around Atlanta, right? I'm from I'm from Gwinnett County. Gwinnett which, County. If we're just gonna name drop rappers, how about the home of the greatest rap group of all time, our generation's <laughs> Beatles, Generation's Beatles, Migos, okay. uh, from Gwinnett County. Don't forget Lou Will. Don't forget like Lou Will. Okay. When that song dropped, man. Gwinnett County was on fire for like two months. Uh, oh, we never man. we never were the same after that. But yeah, I'm from Gwinnett County, so. Definitely not really Atlanta. I'll, I'm the first to admit that. OTP. No, the Migos made it. I'm sorry to interrupt you. The Migos, uh, we officially adopted y'all when the Migos hit the mainstream. <laughs> Yes, Fair enough. I wasn't aware of that uh, that like city board meeting. I, I didn't I didn't realize Mayor Lance Bottoms made that happen, but I'm excited about that. But yeah, I'm from like, I'm from like, I don't know, probably 25 miles out. Um, okay. So I would go into the city a lot and, and big Hawks fan. Um, and 
but yeah, definitely, definitely from, definitely from the suburbs for sure. Gotcha. Definitely from the suburbs. Yeah, I, man, you're a Hawks fan. I feel bad. For yeah, you. I do too. I mean, Trey Young's yeah, going nice, man. man. Y'all, y'all got I a good future, Hawks, man. We used to get it done with no stars, with Al Horford, Paul Millsap, Jeff Teague. Like that's one of my favorite teams of See, all time. Man. I, uh, I love how you didn't mention Joe Johnson because that was the biggest way. Right, exactly, man, up. exactly. Because that's when I lived in Georgia. I was from Kennesaw, and we used to check out them games. I'm watching Mike Bibby and Josh Smith and Joe Johnson and that team. Josh I think Horford. Josh Childress, he was yeah, good. like the real, like that, like early 2000s Hawks. And that was a good team, too. Just never enough to get over the hump. But, uh, and Joe man. Johnson was overpaid. We're going to keep bringing that note up. I mean, I didn't know what money was at that point. <laughs> I was might have been six Wasn't years you? old. You can't Wasn't you the first to make 100 mil? Yeah. When you're a walking bucket, give him whatever he wants, man. He's still like making buckets in like the the basketball tournaments, still dropping like thirty pieces. That guy's ridiculous. That guy's ridiculous. We respect him in Atlanta. Him, Josh Smith, it all counts. The funniest thing about the Hawks, though, is that we have more uniform changes, more branding changes than than like playoff appearances. Like mm. good every change every three years. Every year we're switching it up. I don't know. I don't know what it is. We, we we've been neon green. We've been like McDonald's colors. We've been like navy and red, and now we switched again. But I'll always love my Hawks, man. They, that uh that 2013-14 team, the first seed in the Eastern Conference, man, with Kyle Korver, Jeff Teague, Dennis Schroeder. Like that's oh, yeah. one of my that's one of my favorite teams of all time in any sport because those guys really got it done with with no stars. They all scored like twelve a game. Mm. They all made the All Star team. Went undefeated in the month of January, man. That's Oh, that brings back great memories. And then, of course, we got swept by LeBron. Like I mean, of course. Naturally. It yeah. happens, man. It happens. Nah, it was, it was going to happen. That was a great year, though. That's when, I, that's when I, like, started becoming a fan of Atlanta sports. I was like, okay, we got something here. And then I realized that there was there was no point. So how are y'all and feeling about that? Just for the record, I'm not a Falcons fan anymore. I'm oh, no, no, no. No, you can't back out of that. Um, uh, you both are no, still – you're, you're, you're tied into it. So no, I, was, I got a divorce. <laughs> they can relocate to Alaska for all I care. Wow. <laughs> the crazy – The Alaska Falcons. The Anchorage, the Anchorage uh, Falcons. Let, this, let, let them deal with it. They need to move. We need to get a new team. Or at least until we fire Dan Quinn and – and Thomas Dimitrov. The crazy thing is, are we like, ever going to fire him? I mean, good God, we just keep letting mediocre slide. I don't understand. So many, so much good talent on that team, man. Like we I, got uh, Todd Gurley now, and we oh, now, we still can't win. I, I'm I'm iffy on Todd Gurley. I'm iffy on Todd Gurley just because of his knee. But he, I mean, if you give him, if you limit his touches, he'll make the most of them. Last night, so I don't know. Man, it's going to be it's, tough. Uh, but I, I'm thinking, right, like, because watching Dan Quinn, and that's the guy who was the, the forefront of the uh, the Seahawks defense, right? So I'm thinking he's going to come to Atlanta and revamp that defense. But it hasn't been good since he got there. I can't really explain why. Um, well, the problem is they're not the Seahawks defense. That's, that's true. you got to have the if talent. You Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman walking through that door, it's a tough defense to run. And I feel like I, I don't know what it is. I mean, ever, ever since the the day, we're not going to mention what it was. But, you know, I'll yeah, know don't, I'll mention about. that. Don't, Ever since don't, the don't day, is that, we call it the day, the day, the the the, the day, the day, the stain. Ever since the stain. The stain. Um, oh, the stain. Okay. It it's been downhill since then, and, and and that really does something to your mentality and your psyche, and and we're still dealing with that to this day. And we may never recover from that, and that's why they need to move to Alaska and make it their problem and not ours anymore. To be clear, we're talking about the, the Super pain, Bowl. Man. I can't deal with the pain. <laughs> You I know, did. on that on that day of the same, me and my friends were outside already celebrating. Are you serious? Yes. Mm-hmm. We were in the streets celebrating. Because it, it, it was past halftime, we knew it was over. I said, let's get out early before everyone else is outside. And we got called. They said, guys, you need to come back in. Something's happened. <laughs> I'm not going to say what happened, but something happened. And now we've never been the same. And I don't claim those guys anymore. I don't know who they are. Man. Unreal. I feel like it's one thing to be bad. It's one thing to be the New York Jets. And it's like, we know they're going to be bad. They hired like Adam. Yeah. You know, they faced him twice a year. Like that's incompetence. But we're, we're something different than we're, we're something different than just pure incompetence. We're like, I, I don't even know what the right word is, but we're supposed to be good and we get to leads. And then you give that away. I'd rather be, I'd rather just know my team is going to lose than have that sort of yo-yoing of my, of my emotions. But as an Atlanta sports fan now, I fear like fourteen point leads. Like this Georgia game this past weekend. I mean, they played amazing. Like I'm, you know, so proud of the way the dogs played. Big dogs fan. Um, 
but I'm like, you guys got to keep scoring. You guys got to keep scoring. Like you have this gut feeling. Um, even with four minutes left when Georgia was up by 21 points, I was like, something's going to go wrong here. And that never truly goes away. I mean, and that's the reason what, that's the true reason why I have to talk to a therapist. <laughs> when's my boy JT you know going to, uh, when's my boy JT going to run? I'm waiting on it. Oh man, Stetson Bennett, dude. Stetson Bennett. He was the fourth string starting the season. He looked awesome against Auburn. JT, I, he's not in the field this year. Hopefully, with mm. the way Stetson Bennett's been playing, man. And the, the defense, the defense is the defense is elite, man. I love watching those guys play defense. They're all in the right place, right time. All Stetson's got to do is hand the ball off, make some plays on third down, and that's exactly what he did, did against Auburn. Big game against Tennessee this weekend. Um, we'll see how that goes, but like, it's hard to, it's, you never get ahead of yourself as an Atlanta or, or Georgia sports fan. You're always looking for reasons why it's going to go wrong. And that's kind of where I'm at with Georgia. I'm like, great win, but you know, let's see if they can keep this up. You never get too excited. You never go outside and celebrate too early. So that's a rookie move. <laughs> I know, I, that was, you know, that was a mistake. I learned. I've never done it since. Well, I, I don't know when about UGA, when you, when UGA and Alabama played a couple weeks later, I didn't, I didn't, I, we were up. I was like, no, it's not happening. We're losing. And what we yeah. did, we lost. And SEC championship was the same exact type of thing. We go up twenty-one to seven, and then I think, and then I think twenty-eight to fourteen. And of course, all the you know USC kids around me are like, "Oh, they got this locked up." And I was like, "Shut up! You don't know. You like, don't get you don't it. Don't understand." <laughs> like they're already like going upstairs, like, "Oh, this game is over. Let's start drinking or whatever." I'm like, "You don't understand. This is bad. This is bad if we don't keep scoring." So. I don't know. I don't know. It's always cautious optimism. But the day we finally get I, – I know it's going to make it all that much sweeter. I just have to trust that. The day we finally finally go over the hump and get a ring, it, it's just going to be that much sweeter than almost any well, other you getting a ring. Hey, man. I don't know about I that. I mean, Atlanta man. United won. So, I think we're. I think that's the most we're going to get. Atlanta United. Boom. All I know is my team is currently first in our division, and that's all that matters to me. You know, <laughs> but you remember my team. I, I – I can't believe they're first in the division. What are they like? One and one and four. Or one, something? one, two and one. One, that's two enough. and one. That's enough to be atop that division. No one hey, wants to win that thing. That's all that. I mean, you know, Carson Wentz he throws a couple of dots against the 49ers. You know, it, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. All all we have to do. The thing is, this is all load management, right? That's my theory, at least. This is all load management, and we're gonna get into the playoffs and actually turn the, the crank the keys up a little bit, man, because. Uh, it's been some ugly games, and it's been on Carson Wentz's head too. It's not like it's one of those things where you have injuries and, and he's the, you know, he's suffering because the talent on the field just isn't up to par. He's had some ugly throws. He's had some ugly performances. Some ugly sacks. It's like this is the worst I've seen him play in a while. But hopefully that last game allows him to rebound a little bit because y'all know I ride or die. There's not many players in sports that I'll ride or die by, but Carson Wentz is one of them, man. I'll ride with that dude. Dude, at one and uh, three or whatever you guys are, you're already one sixth of the way of winning the division. You'll be fine. One, one two, and ten, one. Be fine. Automatic person to the playoffs. But if we're gonna talk NFL, I gotta bring up some receipts. Oh, to you, man. I, I DM'd you this. I but know what, you DM'd me this, and I ignored the DM because I didn't want the smoke. <laughs> I did not want the smoke, bro. He's looking doing great. Draft coverage. I said repeatedly, Justin Jefferson from LSU is the best receiver in this class. And you called me every name in the book. You called me a maniac, a psycho. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Who, who, Reagan, who leads all rookies in receiving yards? Justin Justin Jefferson Jefferson. with the Minnesota Vikings. At 175 yards one week, came back with another 100-yard performance. CeeDee Lamb, yeah, he's popping off. He also has Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup in that. I could... I could get open with that kind of offense and those kind of receivers, but Justin Jefferson doing it all alone with the Vikings, and he has more yards than C.D. Lamb. All alone? Henry Ruggs, he's doing it all alone. He's He's all alone? Adam Adam Thielen? Okay, you can't. Dalvin Cook, the offensive line? Kyle Rudolph? You can't blame me for forgetting about Adam Thielen. He's the most forgettable forgettable star in NFL history. But Justin Jefferson is popping off, and, and I want you to. I don't know what I want from you. Maybe <laughs> apologize for calling me a maniac. Best receiver in the rookie class by far so far. Okay. I will grant you the fact that Justin Jefferson is definitely putting up the best numbers. However. Don't qualify it. Don't I'm, qualify it. You're about to qualify it. Justin Jefferson is not the best receiver in the class. There's a distinct difference between the best receiver and the guy who puts up the best numbers. That's why, you know, you as an Atlanta fan, and I really, this is the, this is a, I have to toot my own horn for this argument because this is perfect. As an Atlanta fan, who's the best receiver in football? Julio. Now who puts up the best numbers? 
Michael Thomas. There you go. No, Mike, it's Michael Thomas puts up the best numbers, but we all know we can watch yeah. and say, okay, Julio's the best receiver in football. There you go. Same sort of case with CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, and then Justin Jefferson. He's obviously putting up the best numbers. And I'll credit, I did not think he would be this good off the bat, for sure. I, 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 I definitely discounted his ability. Um, I still would not say that he's the best receiver in football, but he's better than Jalen Rager. I'll tell you that much. He's definitely he's better than Jalen Rager. I, I'm still not over that. And granted, he still hasn't had a chance to prove himself Rager, but uh, it, it's it's looking ugly up there in Philly, man. It, it's looking ugly. I feel you, man. I feel you. It's I, I can't speak about my NFL team. So, I mean, at least you're ahead of the Falcons, right? Hey, man. You have that. Yeah, we do have that going for us. but That's not hard to do, though. Really. <laughs> That's are we out of Wait, how many? How many? Are you guys over? Oh, that's tough. I did, I didn't even think. I thought y'all might have won one game, but uh, that that's tough. That's tough. And the Texans were over. Fired Bill O'Brien. Why can't we do the same thing? Mm. Hey, as Eddie, you guys know Eddie. Eddie always likes to say Bill O'Brien had the worst GM in football, so <laughs> <laughs> it's understandable that he was struggling as much as he did. But um. Before we yeah, get up out of here, fire himself. Is that how that works? He did. He, he, I, I was wondering, like, he had to fire himself. He was running around the desk, like, you know, Bill, it's, it's not working out. He's like, I understand. He said, Bill. Bill, just give me more time. Just let, me, <laughs> let me rearrange the team a little bit. No, Bill, no, you're giving me the worst work. roster I can. Uh, why would you trade DeAndre Hopkins? I can't work with this roster. It's it's crazy, man. Yeah, that was that was crazy. Before, That's the worst. One of the worst trades of all time. I mean. Uh, you could make the argument and trying to get cap space. They weren't going to be able to pay him and Deshaun, but the the uh, Vikings were in a very similar situation. They managed to get a first-round pick for Stefan Diggs. Same yeah. situation for Stefan Diggs. Who's, who's killing pick. it, by the way. got a two and David Johnson for D-Hop. I mean, that's that's one of the worst trades of all time. Glad yeah. he fired himself. And Diggs is killing it, too. Diggs is killing it up there in Buffalo with uh, Josh Allen. Josh, I swear Josh Allen – you guys remember Space Jam. I swear he pulled a Space Jam on Carson Wentz because he's doing everything that Carson Wentz did in 2017. Um, I, I don't know what happened or, or how he did it, but uh, the, the I feel like he's a monster, man. That's my theory, at least. I didn't expect that, man. I didn't, I didn't either. I, didn't I don't know. think a lot of people did. I, I, I feel sorry for my boy Darnold, too, from that draft class. I, I feel like he really – every week he's making a highlight play. You see the NFL tweets like, oh, another amazing throw by Sam Darnold, but they're losing by 40 every week, and it's just – I'd love to see him next year on a team like the Colts and really find out. I just my fear with Sam Donalds will never find out how good he really is. Oh, we will. Not with the Jets. The Jets will never be anything. Never. No, we can just we can just talk. We can talk that up. Mm-hmm. No. All right, man. I mean, back at the back, we kind of circle back to USC when we talk about Donald. I would want to talk about Donald all day, man, because I do think he has it in him, but. We're coming up on my hour, man. But before we get up out of here, I, I want to ask you guys this: what What is the we're all USC students. We all went to through USC Annenberg. What was would you say is the defining moment that you had at USC Annenberg or USC in general, whatever way you want to take that? What was your defining moment? I want to start with you, Cecil. Oh, throw you on the spot. spot. Yeah, defining <laughs> moment. You mean when I when I knew like okay, I can do this. Not not, not even necessarily from a sports uh, or from a journalism standpoint, man. Whatever, if you want to make it journalism, if you want to make it about Cecil Hannibal, the individual, if you want to make it about Cecil Hannibal, the the Hooper, because you were busting my ass pretty bad last time we played. Posted up on no. He wasn't posting me up. That was the thing. This man has the most deceivably quick first step I've ever seen, man. Like he like the first step is insane. It's Curry esque. The the jab step, your jab step's wild. I think it's the jump ropes. That's why I've been doing the jump ropes so much, man. I'm trying to get my first step like yours. I'm I'm gonna answer your question, but uh, honestly, what's crazy is I hooped all my life, never played football. I look like a football player though, mm-hmm. and that's what always get people. They would not pick me up because they're like, oh, this guy's a football player. He doesn't hoop. And I get on the court. I got I got basketball feet, man. I can't jump though. I can't jump to save my life. You're but quick. You're quick as all hell. You have a Boris Diaw type game. You post exactly. Boris Diaw, man. They used to call me Big Baby Davis when I was like in middle school. Mm. That's not a compliment, but you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> but it means I can move. Man. It but was crazy, to answer, man. To, to answer the question, honestly, for me, the finding moment had to be the first day I stepped into Edinburgh. Mm. Um, because like I was never supposed to be a USC student. Like I came out of high school with like a two point eight GPA. 
I had no scholarships. Um, I mean, I barely got to Georgia State, mm. right? And it's not that hard to get Georgia State. No shame in Georgia State, but I think the requirement is like 3.0. Or, you know, it's not super high. Georgia State gave me a second chance program. I had to come in the summer, um, and then if I got decent grades, I, could, I got into the university for the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took that as like, I put a chip on my shoulder. I was like, I'm going to be something. I'm not going to let, you know, me mess around at high school to find my life. Like, I'm going to get on the right tracks. Uh, and I went, did all this stuff. I did three years at Georgia State. And somehow that landed me a scholarship to go to USC. Um, so for me, stepping into those doors at Annenberg, um, knowing that I barely got into college to begin with, like, that was it for me. And from there, like, it was easy. I mean, Edinburgh wasn't hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, school is hard. Like, we're up all night doing homework and we got a lot of stuff going on. But, I mean, the fact that I was never supposed to be there to begin with is what kept me going. Yeah. Um, and it was just another, you know, it just, that, that was a lesson in life that it doesn't matter where you start, like, you can get where you want to go if you just put in the work. So that's, that's a mindset I take wherever I go. And that first day in Edinburgh is what is what helped establish that. Mm. That's beautiful, Trevor. You got you got you got to follow that man. I'm sorry, <laughs> that was a beautiful story, man. So uh, I got you, man. I got you. This is gonna be even more beautiful. Cue like a little violin music. <laughs> I'll play the world's smallest violin for you as you're going. How about even that? Better. No, but that's 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 a sick story, man. I feel like one, if you once you accomplish all that, that gives you so much confidence moving into later. Now you're just like, bring it on. Like, what else can I do? What else can I push myself? If everyone was doubting me before, like, what can I do now that I've gotten to Annenberg? So I think that's super yeah, awesome. Exactly. My moment, my defining moment at USC came my second semester, uh, freshman year. One of the guys uh, in my fraternity um told me to come on told me to come to the first meeting for a sports talk show on trojan vision called the water cooler and i was like yeah cool i'm into sports journalism i'll go talk about maybe like producing or writing stuff for them making graphics whatever i can do mm-hmm. little did i know i walk into the zemecca center where trojan vision is and it's actually just a straight up audition for on air um wow. it's you're you're going in <laughs> he didn't mention that he didn't mention any part of auditioning with the teleprompter and 12 people looking at you staring at you he just said it was the first show meeting so i walk in there i'm like is this is this for the water cooler and they're like yeah yeah i'm like okay walk right out of the building and almost like hyperventilating i'm like what <laughs> the heck is going on i'm like standing on the street outside the cvs like i like breathing hard like what am i doing right now and I don't know what happened, but something in that moment, some little part of my brain said, go back in there, go back in there and do this. You're going to regret it if you don't do this. So I go in there, I read the teleprompter, whatever, and um, ended up being on the water cooler for right away. And, and I was there all the way through college. And that show shaped me in so many ways because it really was like a sandbox where you could really find your voice. And that's where I just figured out how to do on air. I mean, I watched my first clip and it's terrible. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about college is you can go from being terrible and awkward on camera and all that. Cause you're given the opportunity. No one's, no one's saying no to that. You're given all these opportunities. It's not yet this ruthless world where you have to produce it's no, you can have, you can find yourself and you can make something of yourself. And that's the show where it really happened for me. And then I was able to kind of take that and then I felt like the time that I arrived, I felt like it was like Warren Moon. You know how Warren Moon was in the CFL, the Canadian yeah. League, for like six years? By the time he got would to the NFL, he would be the greatest quarterback of all time if he were immediately in the NFL, by the way. That's my one of my hot takes. If he were straight in the NFL, greatest quarterback of all time. Oh, sure, no doubt. But obviously this is a small example of this, but this is how I felt in the moment. And Because, you know, you think in college that's the biggest thing in the world. But yeah. I felt like Warren Moon going from the CFL from to the NFL when I was going from water cooler to Annenberg. I felt like by that point I had so many reps. I was so prepared. I had also spent all this time in internships seeing how the professionals do it at NFL Network and Fox Sports. So I feel like I was so well prepared to, to make the leap to Annenberg and then make the leap to getting my first job. But it wouldn't have happened if standing outside, hyperventilating, basically having a panic attack outside the CVS, if some part of my brain didn't say, go back in there and do this, damn it, or you're going to regret it and you're not going to be able to look yourself in the mirror. And I feel like that's what college is all about, is taking those leaps, doing scary stuff. That is the time to do it. No one cares in college. You get those opportunities. No one's going to fire you. No one's going to no one's going to say you're not bringing in enough money, you're not advertising revenue. No. This is your chance 
with no consequences or limited consequences to put yourself out there and, and try something. And if you don't, you're, you're going to look back on it and regret it. So that's my defining moment. And that's kind of um, when I learned to, to sort of, to sort of take those leaps into the unknown. And I feel like I've been doing that ever since taking another leap into the unknown by moving into West Virginia. But once you keep taking those leaps, you realize you can do it again and again and again, and you have that confidence moving forward. Awesome, man. Awesome. Gentlemen. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was solid. Those were two. Reagan, if I can say one more thing yeah. before we go. Can I say one more thing? Oh, by all um, means. We mentioned it at the top of the show, but my comments on social media about the real-life pressure of this job. Mm. I just want, I want it to be known. Trevor made amazing points. When we were in college, it was like a sandbox. We could we could shape ourselves. We could become who we wanted to be. We could work on what we wanted to work on. Um, the first job is still somewhat of a sandbox, but there, there's no you cannot make real mistakes. Mm. Like you can't just freeze on air and like oh like you can't just be like you know she's my you, you know you can't just cuss on air like no no no, no. like you you know what I'm saying like it's the pressure times ten of what of what it was like in college. Um, but going to a school like Annenberg, I feel like that prepared me and Trevor to like, we know, we, we know what it's like to be on, you know, I guess live television. So we were ready when it came, but all I'm saying, all I, all I'm saying is whatever you think, whatever you think it's like in college times that times 10, and then you got the room. And I will, I totally agree. Yeah, man, that, that, that's, you guys are kind of. Making me a little bit jitterous about about what's coming in the future, man. I'm not, I'm not, you know, that's still uncertain no, but, for me. But it, but you got to think about this. What, what what we're not saying is that it's time tens the stress, time, ten times the stress and times the pressure. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, not to say ten times the money, but you are getting paid, yeah. right? That there's you, you're going to get more views, more more benefits, more life, more everything. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's once you get out of college, there's more of everything, but you got to know how to deal with everything. Um, like my first live shot, I was, my leg was shaking. I've done so many live shots at Edinburgh. My first live shot, real deal, my leg was shaking. I thought I was going to throw up. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, like numbness in your hand afterwards. You're like, holy crap. Oh, my gosh. The rush is so crazy. But now I've done, I mean, I literally do three to four live shots a day, five days a week. Now you throw me, you know, there's a car wreck. I can get on camera and talk about what's going on. And I'm not, you know, I'm not about to throw up anymore. But I'm saying, you know, you got to get ready to handle that, those moments. I think life is about handling those moments where you feel like you're about to throw up. Mm. Because the next, the next move, the next move, when I, wherever my next job is, right, I'm going to feel like I'm going to have to throw up again because I'm going to feel 10 times more. So it's always going to be more. I think it's about learning how to handle that. So and carrying the last one with you. Like I remember the one of the last things I did in school was, was interviewing Will Ferrell over Zoom. And now whenever I'm doing another big thing, I have that in the back of my head. It's like, well, I've interviewed Will Ferrell. I can interview mm-hmm. this guy. I've done this. So it, it builds gradually. You take everything with you. That experiences aren't in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. You take all those experiences with you. You try to learn from them. But Reagan, just to give you a little bit of peace of mind, I feel like, yes, it is more intense. Yes, it's more fast-paced. Everything Cecil said. But the good thing about moving from college to to the real world is in college, I feel like you're the same way. You, you do all these things like, okay, I'm going to anchor for Annenberg. I'm going to do another show. I'm going to write a column. I'm going to write something for the Daily Explosion. It's harder to put days away in college, whereas here, I have one thing to do, and I need to be great at it, but I have one focus. My brain isn't scattered in all these different places mm. trying to juggle all these different things. I have one thing. I'm here to grind at my job at WOAY as a sports anchor. And that's, that's honestly, uh, it, it makes it a little bit less stressful at times than, than being in college. Day to day, you working is more stressful than being at Annenberg. But overall, when you take everything together, I feel like I'm less stressed just because I know I have one target to focus on versus all of these moving ones. So that, that's the peace of mind that I'll give you. I don't know if Cecil oh, agrees. Oh, for sure. That's good to hear, man. That's good to hear. Gentlemen. <laughs> Great deal of respect for both of you. I mean, like I said, yeah, I step into Annenberg as a 18-year-old kid who, you know, was told that they could be good at sports journalism, but really wasn't sure exactly how to approach it. Um, 
and you are two people, um, the, whether it's, you know, through the sibling program with you, Cecil, or just by proxy of, you know, being the MJ for your day of the show, Trevor, two people that have been incredible guys throughout the journey, man, throwing opportunities on my plate, helping me, guiding me, giving me, you know, insight into what's coming, um, how to improve, how to get better, all of that sort of stuff, both of you. Hopefully we get, I mean, not even hopefully, man, we're going to keep continuing to build these relationships because this, this is at, at the end of the day, um, I feel like a lot of what, you know, not even just this business, but business in general, man, it's about relationships. And that's the only way that you're going to get any sort of gratification out of it is if you're happy doing it with the people that you're around. Um, so I'm very thankful for both of you coming on the show, man. Hopefully y'all had a blast as well. Catching up with the old heads, man. Y'all are old now. I'm still in college, man. <laughs> Yeah, stop thinking, man. I'm gonna have an existential crisis right now at the end of the show if you keep saying that. I think I see some gray hairs in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I still don't have a beard, though. I still don't have a beard. That's what's crazy. Not yet. Yeah, I got mine coming in a little bit. I got mine coming in a little bit. Right here. I don't need to shave on my off day. No doubt, no doubt. But that'll do it for this episode of the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show. As always, go follow the social media at the RG2 Show on Twitter and Instagram. I hope y'all two are following. I don't think you are, Cecil. I don't think you are. I'm kidding. Hey. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, man. I'm what? kidding, man. I, I, I do. I think I do. I'm on one of the platforms, I guess. I don't know which one, but one of them I do. But yeah, the, we're going. He's we're on going. your Quibi. He's on your Quibi page. Your TikTok Quibi. page. I ain't got no TikTok page, bro. Okay. We're not going to, before Trevor goes off on a tangent about how I'm 12 years old, we're going to end the show here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.